Hey there, Shopper Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show, podcast all about web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert. With me is Chris Coyer. That's hey, Chris. right. I am here. What's up, Dave? How are oh, you, you know, just hanging out, doing the things, shilling the code, pew, 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 just doing that <laughs> day in, day yeah. out. Uh, have like a. Have you written code today? Uh, technically, I guess I've com- edited some comments, <laughs> added <Okay>. some to-dos <laughs> to a file. I, I You use this uh, Scott Tolinsky over at the Syntax FM. He has a mm-hmm. YouTube, right? Uh, we have a YouTube. Everyone has a YouTube. Scott has a, a good YouTube. It's been going for a, on for a long time. Uh, but he was talking about this uh, utility, a VS Code plugin extension called... Uh, uh, to do tree and I use to do tree like a lot and it's basically like a thing and it'll like go through your code your project and it'll find everywhere you wrote to do something yeah. or like fix me or um I think there's mm-hmm. another one's like like a uh hot fix or something you know like 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 there, there's sort of like some keywords it'll like highlight yeah and that's neat. I, I'm seeing it, and then it becomes a, a thing in you know in your VS Code that ha- has them all in there. So you can just click it and see what's up. Yeah, and you get a little like – I think there's even a little like – oh, I thought it used to give me a little thing in the bottom bar. Like, you have 9,000 to-dos, buddy. But um, it's not like a big deal, but like I was just looking at it today. We have this like form file, and I just was like – Hey, look, that's, there's a to do. How many do I have? And I have like eight to do's in this file. So it just was sort of like a really big hint for me, like technical debt. Like I've kind of like let this one pile up this like one big form on the site. So, um, I I was just like, Oh shoot, there's kind of a lot, lot going on here. I need to kind of get through. And there's a bunch in my like test directory. Like this test was failing because of some weird import issue with Jess, which I think we talked about in a couple of episodes ago, but um, you know, so I'm just kind of like, oh, maybe I could go through here and clean up some of this or finally start. I need, I guess it's a signal to me that I need to sort of tackle this file. This file has a lot of problems, so I need to start like kind of going through it, you know? So anyway, it's just a cool plugin. Scott was talking about, it. I thought I would just t- mention it cause I used it today. I was edit adding to do's and I was like, to do tree is really freaking good. So. It is good, man. I, I mean, I, literally, as you're telling me about this, I just clicked the button to put it on VS Code, and it's just great. I mean, it's just exactly what you think it's going to be. It finds all your to-dos and makes a you know file tree of where they exist in your repo, and mm-hmm. then you can just go look. You know, we've been trying to be cautious about this, actually. Like, it's been a while now at CodePen where... We kind of don't let to-dos through PRs, you know? Like, if, Ooh, it's, a to-do, oh, yeah. if it's a to-do, then do it. And mm-hmm. if it's and Because sometimes to-dos aren't really to-dos. They're, like, discussion or, like, maybe some days or, you know, mm-hmm. refactoring that, that probably isn't appropriate for this PR. Maybe that is a to-do then. But then it shouldn't just sit there forever because the worst thing is a to-do from, like, 2015. You're like, oh, it really wasn't a to-do then, was it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like totally. Cause uh, one of the ones I did today was like use Vuex question mark, <laughs> like instead of this like weird data passing we were doing. So like we were setting a variable, sure, but it's like a semi global ish variable. So I, I, you know, 
I'm sure but to, I'm... But to do there is talk to, you know, have discussion about using other state management possibilities or something. Right. You know. I mean, the discussion is entirely with myself. But, yes, it is the discussion. Uh, so I, I do think they're appropriate sometimes. Like I, I had a component that was like – I had to use in two places and I had to bring over custom styles to, mm -hmm. and, and I put the exact same chunk of CSS in two places. So the to do was like deduplicate this and right. I committed it. But knowing that before I even mark that PR as ready for review that I, I need to fix that. Yeah. Cool. And I think that's a good use of a to do is like, yeah. I'm, I really literally need to do this. <laughs> well, and I think that's a great place for it too. Cause I mean, because then you're saying, like, you can get that PR up. You can get people looking at it, and you you just know you're going to deduplicate it. You're, it's like a nice little, like, hey, <laughs> people can look at this. I'm actually – but I'm going to fix this piece of it. I'm going to deduplicate this part of it if you wanted to check it out or if you're trying to get a preview branch up or something like that. To-do tree is cool, too, because it'll like, it'll, like, highlight the word to-do, and you can, like – choose a custom highlight color. You can make it like hot orange, you know, shop talk orange just to be like, boom, friggin' fix this. You know, um, right now it's kind of doing a grayed out, but you know, that's like where your normal to do's get lost in a comment. It'll like, like highlight the word to do, um, like a custom highlight on it. So pretty efficient for, uh, for just how everything Right. I, I have one of those plugins too. In my, in my theme at the moment, it's like super bright orange. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny cause it, it's really good at catching them. And I think there is some other keywords that it catches, you know, it's not just mm -hmm. that particular to do, but then it like, it doesn't catch it in JSX. I'm like, Oh, come on. You know, you had one job, you know? Yeah. Anyway. JSX is non-standard. It needs to move over to web components. What? Who said? <laughs> what? Somebody mm. came in and sang a song. Oh, man. Good. Good. <laughs> Some clown just people, went by. People crashing in, um, singing songs. Yeah. I just like that there's like, you know, you can add different grammars into to-do tree too, like fix me, uh, or if you don't, you know, like fix it, fix, uh, stuff like that. And that's... I find those useful too. Like you're like, Hey, this was a hot fix for this issue. Like <laughs> it's probably not thought super thought through, but like, this is, this was the thing that got us out of this jam. So I find that pretty useful. Um, when, yeah. when I'm commenting stuff. So Today's episode is brought to you by Notion. That's notion.so. As you probably already know, if you've listened to the show, I use the heck out of Notion. Uh, it is, I call it my second brain. I put everything uh, in Notion. I track projects, side projects I'm working on. I track actual projects like work projects. I track uh, goals for my year, my weekly habits. I track all kinds of things. I blog in Notion. I collect links for my blog in Notion I, or like anything I read and, and want to jot down some thoughts. I log books and, and keep track of little uh, tidbits and snippets. Uh, I collect quotes in Notion. I use the heck out of Notion. It's an excellent place to just dump all your your thoughts that you don't want just <laughs> spinning around in your brain and get it onto the digital paper. And Notion is great for that. It has a lot of flexibility and customizability with the 
database structure. It, it is just wonderful. And uh, I think you'll love it if you, if you love organizing uh, your thoughts and, and getting your, your, all those problems out onto a, a tool. Uh, this is good for you. So that's notion notion.so go try it today. Well, while I have a tab open for visualstudio.com, Microsoft's product, it reminds me that we had a discussion in the old Discord mm -hmm. yesterday about, about a proposal for a type syntax in JavaScript from s someone named Daniel at Microscope. Pretty interesting. I'm not super duper uh, qualified to talk about all that is TypeScript, but this this comments this is like you know we don't want to change the syntax of JavaScript. Although that was what the discussion is is like yeah, but do you you know? <laughs> it's and, a uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody uh, who was it? Uh, darn it! I'm failing on my like finding it. Somebody was like. It's kind of just a Trojan horse for for TypeScript in JavaScript, right? So, right. Why would that be um, so bad? I don't even understand, really. But the point of this is, it's literally literal comments. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes in the form of JS doc. I think there's probably uh, more details in the full proposal, but it's kind of like use comments because then that's just regular JavaScript syntax. You don't need a compiler if you don't want to use one, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of cool. Like the second you're writing actual TypeScript, that's not valid in the browser. Mm -hmm. You have to have a compiler like SAS. It's not yeah. CSS. It doesn't work in the browser. Right. Right. So, but this would be like bringing some of the advantages to uh, something that you would normally need to compile, but you don't need to compile it. I I'm into it. I mean, like, give me anything. I don't know. <laughs> like, like there are. I don't actually use types, leverage them that often. But there are times where you want it. You know, like this function takes a number. Otherwise, I have to do like parse int on every single thing that could get passed into it. Like so, like this takes a number. That would be very nice, but it sounds like this is optional, right? So it would only be in my code editor that it would pick up on the the like type assertion. JavaScript, the browser in the browser would never be like, dude, it didn't get a number. Sorry, we're out, right? Like yeah. it, was, it would just be sort of a... Maybe there's a CI thing or something though. Uh, maybe even like... Uh, dev tools could just flag that hey like you said this is a number and it got it right got but it isn't the, wouldn't you say the most value of even typescript comes from the code editor itself yeah i think so i mean just the like it's a like what it's autocomplete but then it knows the shape of the interface or whatever um or the the what it's what's coming in so yeah let me just read the FAQ here. Does JavaScript need static type checking? Given how much effort organizations and teams have put into building type checkers and adopting them, the answer is yes. Perhaps not every developer will reach for static type checking, and that's okay. That's why this proposal makes type annotations entirely optional. However, the ecosystem demand for using types is undeniable. 
TypeScript has done a great job of demonstrating this. It's gained widespread use with broad signals that people want to keep using it. It's opt-in, but it has a major presence in the ecosystem. And these days, TypeScript support is seen as a huge advantage for libraries. The question is not whether JS should have types, but rather, how should JavaScript work with types? One valid answer is that the current ecosystem provides sufficient support where types are stripped out entirely ahead of time, but this proposal may provide advantages over that approach. Yeah. You know, if they can, like, keep some kind because it sounded like it was optional, right? And that's great. Optional, yes. I, I think optional is good. I, I think, like, what's weird is, like, am I going to have to do cut untyped bundles for older browsers? That feels, like, weird. Um, or, like, mm. you know, like, what What do I how does that work? But I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm into it. Like, I think it would be nice to have this. Part of the reason I don't use TypeScript currently right now is just I don't want to set up the whole tooling stack. It's pretty efficient, actually. But, like, I just don't want to add more tooling to my setup. And then, like, because TypeScript's yeah. kind of like an all-in, all, all, all or nothing thing, right? Like, once you rename the file TS, you're just, like, in. I actually don't know. Can you can you can you just not type variables if you just don't want to? I <laughs> yeah. don't, I'm so ignorant. I don't even know the answer to I that. I mean, I think there's like the generics idea, you know, in TypeScript, where it's just like this is type any, so it'll take mm-hmm. whatever you throw at it. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it would. It, I think it'd be cool. I think there's some value in like. Hey, this is what this accepts. This is an optional parameter and it's a string. This is a something and this is a something. And then at the end of your <laughs> sort of thing, like uh the the like saying this returns a boolean. Like that's pretty helpful too, even just from a annotation like sort of sense. So I'm into that. Um and I mean you can do this all in JS doc, and I've been trying to do that. I find JS docs docs about js doc to be miserable so if somebody could write a better (laughs) the docs for the docs are no good dude you're like i want to like (laughs) define a like a whatever a express route and it's just there's two thousand opinions you know and so i'm just it's just frustrating you know because that's where i get into it too it's like sometimes you're not just dealing with and maybe this is the whole reason it Sometimes you're not just dealing with a uh, a string or an integer. You're dealing with an object that has a bunch of stuff in it. And so I don't know that this types in JavaScript would actually help me today because most of my issues are like prop types and stuff like that. Like this accepts props and <laughs> props is a big a- a- object or maybe it's HTML things that shoot in. But then the props can be kind of whatever. But some of them have to be true and false. Some of them have to be numbers. Some of them have to be strings. So um yeah i i would you know i I would love to know how this maps to kind of object based (laughs) development like passing big objects but maybe that's yeah yeah, that's the thing is that is that possible or not i actually don't know yeah this isn't there isn't part of the beauty of it when you really get advanced in typescript is the custom types that are representative of you know, kind of your code bases, fancy types, objects, yeah. essentially. And then how do you represent that as a comment? I mean, certainly you can, but is that mm-hmm. the, is that part of the goal of this too? Or is it starting out more chill than that? 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I support it. I, I just, I think it's useful enough. I, I, and I like the idea that it's optional. So just give it to me. I don't know. Please something. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I kind of dragged my feet on TypeScript because I was like, I don't want to buy in 100% buy in on that and then and do all the tooling. And then JavaScript comes out with its own half baked weird thing. So I, I'll let JavaScript come up with its thing and then do the tooling. So, you know, you wait for, I wait for the like proposal and then start yeah. using the thing. I don't, I don't. I don't skate too far ahead, I guess is maybe my problem. Yeah. Um, the new Dave, new Dave, new Dave is Very uh, chill. not into WebKit properties. <laughs> <laughs> Old Dave loved them and broke his neck trying to make it work in other browsers. But new Dave, new Dave doesn't do that. <laughs> um, well, what do you think, Dave, about, have you been, uh, how's your, how's your, um, clicking on your star button going in your rss reader is it time for another edition of another edition of what does dave like <laughs> <laughs> do you star any of those verge articles about i got some verge articles um notably uh who's a bacalon um uh, dieter not dieter roms dieter um just uh from the verge he just uh signed off he he's going over to Google or something, working on like Android or something like that. Mm. He was kind of a long time editor there. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the new verge will be, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a big shift change. Well, and then uh, over in, I, I'm sure you're up on the Vox whole Vox, uh, uh, shift, you know, uh, famously, uh, or is that not it? what you mean? Well, there was like a strike and a union thing, but then like, um, uh oh I'm blinking on all these names. Um I know Trey left. He was a Trey big Trey left. Vox he guy. was like a Vox founder. Um and then there was um you know what's his name? Brian, the uh the YouTube guy who was on Polygon for a while. Oh uh, Brian Oh my gosh. Was he BDG. Gone too? Brian David Gilbert, BDG. Yeah. Brian I think that's it. Well, there's always turnover, right? We'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I instinctually typed in the Verge though after the Apple announcement stuff. I do do trust you know big big tech media when it comes to like oh I frick I forgot to watch the keynote thing, and I I want to read one article for each thing that Apple released. That's mm-hmm. still what I do. Just type in the Verge and they'll have my back. And they did a good job with it. I thought, but I'm not on their RSS feed though. A little too. Th- a little too fast moving for me. It, it's forty articles a day, so it's just it, there's a too day? much. I oh, think gosh. Yeah, twenty at least. So so you like blink for a week, and there's four hundred. You know, and so yeah, I don't so, you know. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but maybe they should make some kind of like best of feed or something. I don't know, or like or feeds per like I only care about certain things. Uh, but yeah, good job. I starred one the other day from. Uh, they found Ernest Shackleton's ship, which is amazing. If you're a little bit of an Antarctica freak like me, I've never been there. I just really like reading about it and books. And it's just such a 
I don't know, special place on earth mm-hmm. and that I, I devour anything that, that comes up. And, and when there's, you know, breaking news about Antarctica, that's a pretty special thing. Ernest Shackleton went to his, you know, in, in the long, long times ago, a hundred years ago, was leading expeditions to the, to the South Pole and, and succeeding in them. And then one time his ship was... I, I think it was it was either, I, I I'm embarrassed I don't know if it was on the way or or leaving an expedition, but got you know it's dangerous down there and with with mm-hmm. ships because the icebergs can you know you can only get in there for a, a small period of time and some you know you have to the icebergs need to have broken up enough for you to do it and two icebergs kind of smashed his ship and sunk it. And some of the people lived and made this like crazy eight hundred mile walk in wow to and you know some of them died and all that but then like where's the ship right you'd think you know shipwrecks are you know fun to explore and find and all that they 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 didn't because it's a little hard to find ships under antarctic waters but they found it that was the big news wow 106 years later they found ernest shackleton's ship how cool is that that's incredible and everything yeah, it looks like it just got smashed between two icebergs, huh? Like, the, yeah. There's like photos from it, like early camera photos. Yeah. And it's just, wow, that's cool. Different world back then. No I, doubt. I mean, the endurance. How cool. Well, that's impressive. Uh, do you, do you, do you metaverse, Chris? Do you follow the metaverse? I'm, I mean, did you just mean like the abstract idea of a social <laughs> environment in VR? Yeah, are you interested? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I I was convinced, as were you, I think, to buy an Oculus so that because it might because there's a web browser in there, and I feel like we cover web stuff, and I feel like it's 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 prudent for us to understand what the web is going to do in that space. But am I like wildly compelled at it? No. Do I put that thing on my face every day? No, I do not. Once a week, maybe. Once a week. All right. Well, I don't know. I like this article about, you know, Facebook is obviously a big player here. Right. Um, And I don't actually (laughs) I'm not into Meta's vision, but it was just an interesting tech demo just where they like verbally described this is over on the verge. Uh, They verbally described things. They were just like, hey, uh, give me, show me an island, and then put a picnic table on there, and put put a stereo, play some music, a uh, couple palm trees over here, and some. In like the AI, like started just piecing together this island for from him. the voice, from the voice, yeah, Whoa. like it just kind of like intuited what they were meaning. I'm sure there was a bit of a, you know, a script. <laughs> it could could have just been like keywords that triggered the next frame in the application you know the next if statements or whatever you know right um but it was it was all a compelling uh, demo anyway sort of i mean it was slow as heck and but it was (laughs) but it was very um i don't know it it was interesting just from a content creation perspective like people just say what they want and then the thing shows up and that's like a thing i've wondered about websites like for a long time, if you had like the grammar, if you had the design system built, could you just be like, uh, give me a header with like three links, you know, <laughs> a row of three features below mm. that. And then like, and it just would like build out the page. I think that'd be 
kind of fun territory to explore. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Be like, oh, no, make them round, actually. Yeah, and make the images round. How about an orange? No, darker orange, you know? And then, okay, let's do two equal columns here. Stop, you know? A row of cards here. Make it horizontally scrollable. <laughs> like plain English web design, you yeah, know? Yeah, why not? Uh, it seems know. easier than palm trees. Right. Well, and, and then, like, you're not, I don't know. You have, like, a dictionary and with like a design system you call things certain things so maybe you could build a website that way and you wouldn't even have to use webflow so you just talk to the browser and it builds you the page and then you say ship it and it goes up to netlify there you go (laughs) yeah netlify could pay me for that idea so deploy to yeah yeah yeah, that was a, it was a too long ago we were talking about that probably not voice style but that but that like infrastructure as uh, not just c- code but because you know, when i think of infrastructure as code i think of like one file at the root that's like provision all of this but right. more sprinkled into your code be like oh this is a little function and this one's going to need you know a 15 minute lambda because it's doing something beefy and you just tell it that almost like js doc you know at the yeah, top yeah. of the thing and yeah. then maybe that's the future that your whole app is kind of sprinkled in that. So when you go to deploy it, it just knows what kind of infrastructure it needs. And it's not being specific about cloud provider, but it's being specific about what it needs. Yeah. No, that would be kind of an interesting future. Just like you're like, this could be a function or this is a long function, you know, or I mean, what is it? SLAs? You're like, this needs 99% uptime, you know. Yeah, put that in there. Sure, why like, not? Like some sort of like whatever YAML file or something that that communicates sort of the SLA. And then it's like, I don't know, the, the server, or the host just figures out what they're going to do with that. That might be kind of cool. Or like how to handle yeah, it. Here's my routes file. This is going to get hammered, so I need to you know, load balance this over three. I don't know. I guess that's being specific about needs, but maybe that's the point. It's can be a little specific if you need to. Yeah. You're kind of like, you know, you describe the traffic or like, you know, something like that. I don't know. You could, that'd be interesting. So there was a little news recently about, I think Furt was the first guy to break it, but then, I don't know if Apple uh, confirmed it or not, but of course, Jeremy Keith weighed in, yada, yada. The point is there's a version of iOS that has some like scaffolded APIs for web notifications that don't Mm. work. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I, I don't think they wrote docs for them anything, but that's interesting, isn't it? You know, and, uh, it's not that, you know, we're all clamoring to start getting more notifications on our thing, but it's a gap. It's a reason that you would not build your app natively on the web is because on iOS, you just can't send notifications. And that's like some apps just need to do that. So if that actually comes true, that's a filling one of the big uh, PWA holes, we might call them. <laughs> PWA holes. Hey, PWA holes. <laughs> you bunch of PWA holes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I That would be a huge one. I mean, I, like, what's funny, I'm on the fence, right? Because what was it? Firefox or somebody in this maybe Firefox's user base, but they like learned like 99% of people say no to notification prompts, you know? Yeah. 
99% of people don't want notification problems. Now, is that Firefox users who are probably more concerned about security and privacy? Probably. So like there's a there's a bias there. Is it like I don't want the gap to be able to send me notifications? Yeah, it's a lot of that. Or like it's some a lot of that because I'm sure some news percentage those 90% are like, yeah, except for my Delta app. That one needs to, because I need right. to know what my freaking gate changes at the airport. So so that would be a huge one, right? Like, and then, you know where, and so like, I'm sort of like, maybe we don't need notifications or we need a a, a trustometer to, to like, you know, if you actually are delivering value or something, I don't know how you heuristic that, but then there's like, I think about like GitHub, right? Um, can I tell you my problem with GitHub right now? I love GitHub, but yeah, can I tell on. you my problem right now? Beef it up. I commit code. It goes up. Mm-hmm. GitHub actions runs. Peter, Peter, Peter builds a ding docker or whatever it takes forever. <laughs> like seven yeah. minutes sometimes, you know, for an action. Uh, I I am like... I am on YouTube. I am so far gone by the time that finishes. And I never get a notification that it finishes. I only get a little green check mark that shows up, you know? Mm-hmm. You would maybe opt in to notifications. Oh, if I could get my computer to just yell at me, like, hey, a deploy happened or the GitHub actions all passed, you know? Like, because sometimes it's my coworkers shipping stuff. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, they just shipped a line of code. So like the deploy got to, has to wait until that's all done. You so, said like, you know, I can't like just tweet out the link or whatever. Anyway, I would love to know when that's done. And I've been thinking about this. Can I tell you what I've been thinking about? Please. Sounds. Do you remember sounds on websites? <laughs> Long time ago, we used to put sounds on websites. Sure. We, we do have the web audio API now. You know, arguably, it's gotten even better. It's gotten better to get sounds on a website. But it was like abjectly horrible back in the day, right? Like it was just full, awful <laughs> all the time, right? Like you just, uh, every website you went to was like, oh, God sounds. And then it was like, bloop, 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 bloop. Like yep. every time you have a link. <laughs> it was awful. It was bad yeah, for accessibility. You've got mail, too. you know. You've got mail, yeah. Um, but like on this GitHub action, I would love just a ding. If I could get a ding, like the Southwest ding, give it to me. I I would love that. And so I've been wondering, maybe it's, maybe it's not something we encourage every website to do. You know what I mean? Because it was full on horrible, but maybe it's something you like, could you have an extension and, and websites offer an open API sort of like a, like a, this, a sound effect event pops up. Like, and so you're like, you know, sound effect colon action completed or something like that. And so like, could we build out this lexicon in this sort of plugin sphere where these open actions happen and then this plugin could hook into these actions and like, boom, like, action completed. That's what I, I want to sound when the action completes, you know, or even if it's in like a fifth level tab or something, whenever this page fires that event, send me the action or, um, I don't know. There, there's probably a hundred, you know, new feed bin articles show up long, you know, give me a, <laughs> like, give me sound effects 
uh, actions or sound effect. Uh, what would you say? Like sound effect events, you know? Yeah, like, evented. That don't do anything, but uh, that I could hook into through some like plugin or something. I think that would be really cool. I don't think it exists. I don't. I think it would be a lot of effort to get people on board. But wouldn't that be just so cool? <laughs> just, I don't know. You just yeah. get you just get sounds. Uh, you can play sounds, and then maybe you can assign different sounds to different websites and things. Like um, we could bring sounds back to the web, but it would be totally optional is sort of what I'm getting at. And you could only, you, you don't just hook into, I don't know. I don't want every GitHub thing to make a sound. I just want actions. So how do I get that? You know, so, it seems totally doable to me. Seems doable. I'm trying, I'm also just trying to think of like, what else would I want? I mean, Twitter, you know, website, you might want to, there is some like the, pro, a unique situation here is that you have the GitHub tab open in your browser and you probably yeah. you probably just always do i think there's a there's some nuance into the types of notifications i think that there's one that can pop up like a desktop style notification already from that's, github that's, that's not yeah that i don't think is new i think that's like the old style of notification that's not it's just a regular notification not a push notification whereas yeah. the push notifications work even if the tab is closed. So in your case, maybe that would already kind of work because you have the tab open anyway. So just send one of those and trigger a ding. You could probably write a, a browser extension to do this. Wait for the green check mark, shoot the notification, shoot the ding. Not that I'm yeah. trying to make work for you, but I bet it's possible without waiting for APIs. See, that would be cool. Like if I could just find the event, I, I, you know, I've tried to like look into like configuring notifications and stuff and, but GitHub notifications aren't like something built. It's like a pull request happened or there an issue was filed, you know? So there's not really like a build completed, you know? No. So, yeah. You'd have to be on the exact right URL that has that kind of live updating pipeline of stuff. But, and some people may hate this too. Like, I mean, in this one, you know, it's like if you 200 people work at your company, it'd just be going bonkers. But, um, but you know, you're just kind of always like, dude, did a deploy happen? Did a commit, did some, you know, like, can somebody just tell me when that happened and I don't have to just watch a command line or whatever. That'd be mm -hmm. cool. So mm -hmm. that's my thing. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by WordPress.com. You know, somebody told me not long ago, and it stuck with me, that there's this perception of WordPress.com where it's like, well, it's like WordPress on training wheels. <laughs> and I think that sticks to some degree because there's like a little bit of nugget of truth for it. It's really, really easy. It helps you get started a WordPress site. And that's kind of fine. And in fact, I have some sites on it that are using it like very much on purpose because of that because I want none of the work behind like setting up a host and a deployment strategy and a git repo for it and all this stuff that I do want very much so on some bigger projects but sometimes I'm just like I just want to blog about something or I need a really simple storefront or I need a really simple brochure site or whatever wordpress.com 
excels at those things, but it does not have to stop there. It's not like there's some point where you have to be like, well, gotta leave, because this is what I want you to know, is that they have plan, their plan starting at the business plan, which is $25 a month, which puts it in the kind of mid-tier hosting category anyway. As soon as you're on that plan or higher, and there's only one higher plan anyway, you get SFTP access and direct, you know, MySQL database access to that site. Meaning that you could have a site that is a lot like a WordPress host anywhere else that you can work locally. You can have, you know, spin up your WordPress locally and work on it and have a Git workflow and set up a deployment strategy that sends the site up. And then WordPress.com is your host. You're still installing plugins and manipulating and doing anything that really pretty much anything that WordPress can do. It's just WordPress.com is your host for that site then. I just didn't know a lot of a lot of people don't know that, I feel like, that it can just be your regular WordPress host as well. So thanks for the support, WordPress.com. What else did you, did you, did you, was that your star or my star? Oh, we, uh, we went oh. off the rails. Where did we go? We started at the boat. That was your, <laughs> the boat. Oh, it's your star. <laughs> the 107-year-old boat. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. Um, so it's my turn. I get to choose one. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Um, it has to be me... something you favored in an RSS, Dave. Oh, I was talking about metaverse, and then okay, and then um, choo, 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 choo. I'm just, I'm kind of going way back here. I know. Um, I start. I start. I have to skip over a lot of them because some of them are like that's just for me. Even the Antarctic one was a little wild card. Yeah, mine's like anti NFT, anti NFT, NFT. Did you see the uh, the tweet from Mister Doob that that was another one from the Discord that had the Twitter volume of searches for NFTs just just falling off the map there. Falling off the map. The hype cycle might be done, but you know people yeah. keep releasing NFTs. That's cool. I think Papa John says an NFT now uh sponsored tweet um <laughs> uh no uh yeah there's uh, yeah there did you see the cocky uh article cocky is really good uh where voldemort's laughing in different languages no oh, oh. yeah i saw it but i didn't watch it oh it's it's, that doesn't it. count. it's just funny how like there's like all these like uh people have these uh I don't know. Different countries have like a weird creepo laugh, basically, and there's it's all like <laughs> so, so it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, let's see. I'm kind of out, man. Let's see. Uh, all these are pretty niche. Like Kickstarter, I learned had this thing called Zine Month, which is all these tabletop RPGs kind of create all these games, like, uh, but. Because of crypto, it's kind of in a weird situation because people didn't like that. So, uh, hmm. But yeah, I, I've not been doing a good job favoriting. I, I, Paul, I well, that's right. You got to get that because there's no like impulse to do it other than shows like this and like possibly scrolling back through them to remember something. It used to matter when you liked something on on RSS because other people would see it. You know, there's kind of a social layer to RSS. And I know I'm talking about Google Reader, but it could come back, you know? And I think yeah. I think other I think Feedly has some abilities to see friend stuff, but I would like to have more of it because it's it's of high interest to me. Well it's all just like what 
what are you finding and what are you finding interesting? I feel like that's a bit of a lost thing on the web, you know, like, yeah, unless you take the time to blog it, but that's like the stuff you found really, really, really interesting. You know, there's like a layer just below that. That's like, even if it's a passing interest to a friend, I kind of want to know, you know, I started trying to collect these things in, uh, and do posts kind of like cocky does posts. Um, yeah, I saw you've been doing that lately. Yeah, I did a couple of them and then I fell off. But I, I basically like chucking it all in Notion and like um, figuring like and then I can tune Notion to be like, show me any links I added in the last month, you know, and like, yeah. Um, and then there's been kind of a a few like, um, you know, I listened to this uh well, that's kind of too deep for this show, but uh, Ezra Klein show is a podcast, but um, Ted Chiang was on the Ezra, Ezra Klein show talking about why sci-fi legend Ted Chiang fears capitalism, not AI. And it was just kind of about like this whole uh, sort of universal basic income stuff. And just like, you know, AI is like, you know, if we let the future be determined, defined and this isn't like some anti-capitalist greed but just by like if we let it be defined by like what makes money we're in a weird situation <laughs> you know uh so we need to like kind of watch out for that i thought that was really good um hmm. and then um there was this cool i shared this in the shop talk discord um but this uh there's been a couple cool uh tools for 3d model stuff um what was the the first one i need to figure i have it here somewhere but um but there's this one called bloom 3d where it's just it's a web app but it's basically just a uh a thing where you uh like you have a flat space and then you just start drawing on it and then it like creates a 3d model and then you can like build that and then you could export that and then you could drop that into an a-frame thing you like there's it's kind of cool like you could kind of like really like model out a house or something or you know a little wow. sort of tree house or something you want to do sort of easily a, just like just like the you know palm tree over here thing yeah and so like it's just kind of a cool like i mean i don't know i, I think that it's cool these tools are coming to the web i didn't have to download an app to do it and then there was another um cool web app it was almost like figma for 3d um hmm. it, was, it was called it was called it was a model pun uh and i'm forgetting it um spline that's what it was so are they is it like a 3j alternative it, uh I think it uses 3JS or whatever, but but it's more these are more in the creation space. So like this was okay. like spline.design uh and then bloom 3D. They're kind of like tools for like creating 3D scenes and stuff like that. And um you know, and because it's on the web, you know it works on the web. Yeah. One problem you can get into if you did all this stuff in like Blender or something and, and then you finally exported it all, might not work super well, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it might like uh, you, you might have a few problems getting that 3D stuff online, you know, uh, might be too I, I big. I don't might know be too, it well enough, so. but I, you know, there's lots of 3JS stuff on, on CodePen and how it gets there is probably, you know, not always people just using raw 3JS APIs, right? Is that the case? The 3JS is kind of like, 
you can just use it directly, but there's an awful lot of tooling on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, you can write three JS for sure, one hundred percent. But mm-hmm. I think like you're going to regret it, or or it's just <laughs> it, it's a lot of um, you know, it's it's just code. It's or it's so much like, and then you get onto like past that one level, it's like shader code and stuff like that, and you know, there's. High level of code. It's not visual whatsoever, you know. So a lot of tools are built around that, and like letting you kind of, you know, some sort of declarative way, more declarative way to get things in, um, into the, the web. Results are usually so impressive when you see three D demos on the web. I'm always like, wow, you know. Yeah. And you've been playing with it for a while. Is it the? Uh, Maybe Talk I'm just too metaverse. detached from a yeah. But is there a thriving gaming community that produces three dimensional games that are ultimately three JS powered? It's, it doesn't seem like just like there's that many games in it for some reason. It's always like here's how you zoom through a tunnel or a yeah forest or something, but it's not like a game. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a few like New York Timesy sort of you know like. 3D sort of explanations, you know, um, which are kind of cool to visualize and stuff like that. I think it's another tool in the tool belt. Like you don't don't use it just because you want to be 3D. You use it because you're using it to enhance your content, you know, or like make, mm-hmm. you know, like I guess you can make it a showpiece, but like use it as like a illustration or a, you know, um, <laughs> you could a, a sort of a vibe and you know sprinkle I th- it i think sprinkles go a long way i mean i don't think you need to be all 3d all the time i think you can just be like this little part of the website's 3d and so the cool thing about a frame which i i like which I, I think you know it's it's in they're in the kind of firefox limbo still i don't know what's going on with that project um but it still gets recommended quite a bit but um you What's neat about it is you can program this thing and people see a 3D scene in their browser. Um, and then there's a little like click this if you're in VR. And if you're in VR, it'll like put you in the whole scene, like the whole, you know, go all around your head sort of thing. So, yeah, that's like super cool. Yeah, you see the little 3D glasses in the corner kind of thing and flip it on and it starts doing. So it's kind of does right. It's like a is it is it still as simple as like show one scene to your left eye and a different one to your right eye and your brain makes it happen. Yeah, basically it's bicameral. You know that like in a three D scene you have a camera, right? Like that's like you know, but but then you need in a or like in a video game you have a a camera mm-hmm. attached to the player model or whatever. And then you, for uh, three VR stuff, you basically have two screens running the same scene twice, and it's really close to your eyeballs. But then you have two cameras that kind of have the right distance between them, you know, so so that it creates the effect of yeah a whatever Seems. stereoscopic effect. I got one start here from. Derek Sivers, you know that dude. Mm-hmm. I, I think of him as the CD CD baby guy, but that's a that's a long time ago now. It's probably oh, some listeners yeah. to the show that are like, "I never owned a CD. What are you talking about?" 
But uh, at the time, they were, I don't even think they were a big player in CDs overall, but they were indie CDs, you know, like you could mm-hmm. sign up for CD Baby and get your own band's th- thing published, which I did at one time, which I thought was so cool. And then they had partnerships with like Apple and stuff. So if you got a CD pressed at CD Baby, that put you on iTunes, which was Whoa. pretty cool, you know. He's always been a kind of like, you know, he's a musician himself and but kind of a philosopher and whatever, you know, he's just the guy that's been talking about the Internet for a long time. I think Mm -hmm. he wrote any blogs, you know, it's S-I-V-E dot R-S. And our recent post was called Write Plain Text Files. And the whole point of it was like, y'all, y'all kids on your notions and your Evernotes, you know, those will die. My text files will live on and they're offline and there's no dependencies. And, you know, I can do all kinds of processing on them. And, you know, like indie, indie, indie text files are the way to go for your, you know, personal knowledge base kind of thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's compelling because I'm always of two minds. I'm like, hell yeah, man, simplicity rules, you know, like yeah. no build process for your notes. My gosh. And you're right. Those things are going to live forever. And, you know, it makes me want to get my palm palms out. But also I use the crap out of Notion and I have for a lot of years and it's made it's made business stuff great for me so i'm like i don't actually live by your advice in any way i still use the fancy tools so i don't know i feel you know i feel like i agree and then don't use the advice at all (laughs) (laughs) i think it works if it's your system but expecting other people to abide in your system does not work Mm. If you showed up to Copen one day and or if I'm hired by Copen, new hire, Dave Rupert walks in mm-hmm. and you're showing me around the virtual office and you're like, okay, this uh, Dropbox with a bunch of plain text files is everything you need to know about the company. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would quit day one. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know what? Your text files get out none of None of it's tagged. None of it's like yeah. in search indexed. None of it's findable. So it works as, as your personal system, but it's not very efficient for people who need to find information. Right. And so I, I mean, I'm the same way. Like I, I, there's no links. There's not even links. You need links. Yeah, not even link links to other files, other ideas. No, I mean, even Markdown would be like a little bit superior to plain text files, you know. So, uh, and I had that problem with my own blog in Markdown. You know, I had plain text files, but guess what? There were too many of them, and all of a sudden, it was really hard to deal with. You know, and not saying Derek doesn't have a lot of blog posts on his blog, but it's probably like he cracks an idea, works on that and puts it into the publish queue. You know, there's not a big, like he doesn't have 80 drafts going all at once or whatever. So yeah, maybe, which is maybe a personal problem on my end, but <laughs> <laughs> figuring that out. Um, yeah, I, I just, it does. I had to do another system, but that said, I did have a situation notion sponsors this podcast. They're great. Uh, but I had a situation where I was trying to move stuff around and I accidentally like deleted a whole database. Thankfully it wasn't my blogging database. Um, 
But and then it was like you need to use the enterprise feature to <laughs> to restore all these files. You know, it was enough stuff. Like I just like had messed it up pretty good. Um, oh yeah, like the you had the history to go back far enough. You the history the to go. Yeah, yeah, I needed the enterprise. I found a way from my phone, like clicking five buttons, I could restore the document I trashed, like the Ooh. child documents or whatever. Um, but. I guess my only like criticism or like, like I wish notion made it easier to move whole databases, like or nest whole databases. I understand why there's probably a technical limitation against that, but you know, I wish there's more ways to do that. And then I wish there was, um, uh, and, but then like I did, but having that data loss feeling is a bad feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, like, I lost it. And and this was my learning, like where I keep track of all the like online courses I do. And so I have like notes kind of littered everywhere, you know? And so um, I was just like, Oh, nuts. Like (laughs) that's maybe a lot of stuff I learned that I don't check on, but stuff I learned at some point. So I, thankfully it's not gone. Thankfully I'm okay. But I was um, kind of like in the like, uh Oh zone for a bit, but uh so yeah, I don't know. I, it would be so he's right, I guess, is what I want to say in the terms of like those will not exist or something. Even just a data loss and a big uh oh or whatever. Yeah. My, what's that like mind mapping one that what's Markdown based that a lot of people like that we talked about before, but I've never Mermaid JS. No, that's like for diagrams. This is like. It's just a markdown editor, but you can like make tags and then you click the tag and it zooms out to other oh, spots on your Obsidian. tag. Yeah, Obsidian. There you go. Yeah, Obsidian. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a middle ground where it's like mostly just text files, but the UI of the editor itself adds these kind of mind mapping features to it. That... Yeah, no, I mean, that might be a really good way to kind of I have it. I wonder if that's how like really organized, like Jason Snell or somebody from six colors or that always seem to have like their entire like you know they're like oh you know apple released this little mac studio thing well that reminds me of in 1996 they had this thing that was also happened to be released on march 10th what an you know like they have all this like metadata about stored in their brain but is it in your brain or do you have a personal database of of information about these things that you just click some links and it's mind mapped out to have all this data. I mean, totally possible guys, you know, where they're like, they know every college player and that's Jim Collins. He's a freshman year student from Puxatawney, Idaho. And he has a, yeah, but when they played Idaho state last week, he dropped three passes and you're like, (laughs) yeah, you're like, how, are, do you only report on this team? How do you know that? Yeah, Texas too. Like Texas high school football, it, it has like followings and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. like, like people are like, "Oh, did you see that kid from Lufkin the other day? Yeah, he threw a nine hundred yard pass. Yeah, you know, whatever." It's just I, like I stopped watching it after Friday Night Lights. You know? Oh, yeah. That's the last season I watched. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like Friday Night Lights every Friday here. So you gotta you gotta big deal. All right, Dave. That was good. Good stuff. To do tree. Can't wait. To do tree. We talked about one development thing. Uh, 
I, we talked about metaverse. We talked about uh, Dave's anti NFT feeds, and then uh, I think that's all we covered. All we hit all the bases. So if you have a question, send it in the shop talk show. We could probably take some time to answer. It. And then uh, yeah, thank you for dear listener for downloading this and your podcast stories. We just not heard favorite of that. Some people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at shop talk show. T- Sixteen tweets a month. Uh, we have a new YouTube, uh, newish. Uh, it's been there for a month or so now, but uh, over. Uh, uh, we'll have a link in the description. You can go to that YouTube. The link name's actually going to update. So we're going to get, I think we finally hit the vanity URL point. So oh, very exciting. So oh, we'll, we'll get that. Uh, we're, we're graduating. We're graduating. So uh, thank you. And uh, over in the Discord, patreon.com slash shop talk show. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Shop talk show.com. <laughs>